This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Well, God bless you. You may be seated. It's so good to be with you guys. I'm so glad my wife Linda is here with me this weekend. Uh, what, a, what a great time to be together. Um, man, we love your pastors, Pastor Landon, Pastor Kelly. Uh, we've known them for a number of years now. In fact, I think they were going to Church on the Rock in Lubbock when they met, and uh, college students back in Lubbock, and ended up getting married, and, and so we've known them for years, and uh, quite, uh, such a joy to be with you guys today. Thank you. As a, let me just thank this church for loving your pastors. Pastor Landon has been taking a sabbatical, and can I just say that that is well-deserved. In fact, we're, we're uh, in a season uh, in the world, I sort of say in our nation, but literally around the world, where everybody needs a sabbatical. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, you need a sabbatical. Tell them that. <clears throat> In fact, when you go back to work on Tuesday after this Labor Day weekend, go into your boss's office and tell your boss, hey, uh, I'm, I need a sabbatical. I'm going to take six weeks. I'll see you when I get back. And uh, just go for it. And uh, no, I'm, I'm teasing. Don't do that. Man, it's so good to be with you guys. I've got a word that I want to share with you today. It's a little bit of a different word. It's more of a teaching instead of a preaching. But it's something that has really kind of been on my heart. The Holy Spirit put this on my heart. Um, because of the season that we've come through, um, right after the first of the year, the Lord gave me a word for this year that I needed to focus on. And it was a word out of Isaiah 58 that says, we will become the repairers of the breach. That's an interesting phrase, repairers of the breach. And we're living in a world where there are so many breaches. Uh, a breach is a gap. Uh, it's a division. And we're living in a world where there is division after division after division. Whether it's the COVID season we've been through, the political uh, disagreements and division that our nation has known, racial tension has caused a breach. Even in the church, there's gaps, there are breaches. It seems that we can't seem to get it together. Uh, everyone has taken to social media when we isolated at home. Everyone had a, a thought that they wanted to put out there and everyone had an opinion. And so now we're, we're, we're breached. We're on opposite sides of every issue that comes along, whether it's wear a mask, don't wear a mask, get vaccinated, don't get a shot. All of these, it's causing breach. The devil loves it when there are breaches in our lives. And as a believer, I, I believe God has called us to become a repairer of the breach. I think the church should repair the breaches in life. And so this is a word that kind of came to, to, to my heart as I was praying about what to bring to the Purpose Church. It, it kind of fits with repairing the breach. And it's an elementary word. It's, a, it's a, a foundational truth. But it's one we need to go back and rediscover. And I want to talk to you today about character, about your character, about the character that God is looking for in his people. Now, there's a story in the Old Testament that helps me illustrate uh, part of the thought behind 
where I'm going with this. It's the story of David. David is characterized and described as a man after God's own heart. But at the very beginning, when God first begins to work in David's life, in fact, when he's first recognized, we find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. You'll remember that Samuel is the prophet of Israel. God had intended to lead Israel through a prophetic voice. But the people rose up and they said, we want a king. We want a king like the other nations around us. And so God gave them their desire. And Saul was the first king of Israel. But Saul, even though he was a very gifted man, he did not possess the character to rule Israel according to the ways of the Lord. And so God rejected Saul, and God spoke to Samuel and said, I want you to go and anoint the next king of Israel. And so Samuel makes his way to the house of Jesse. And in 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 16, we read these words, beginning with verse 6, it says this, So it was that when they came, that he looked at Eliab. Now Eliab was the eldest, the oldest of all of Jesse's sons, and he said to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. That's what Samuel was thinking, because Eliab looked like a king. He looked really, really good. But the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. It's not about how things look on the outside. It's not about outward appearance. But God is looking at our heart. He's looking for character to be developed in our heart. It goes on in, in, in chapter 16, verse 11. Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. Now David was out in the pasture watching his father's sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with, a, with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, it's very interesting to me. It's something that maybe you've never thought about. But there was a period of time between Samuel anointing David and David coming to the throne of Israel. In fact, there's a, a number of years. There's a lot of episodes in David's life that we read about. He faces Goliath. He serves King Saul. He runs for his life because Saul is seeking to kill him. And all of these things happen in David's life. Why? Because God is developing a character inside of David. Now, David was not a perfect man. He made a lot of mistakes. But there was something in his heart that God saw and God liked. God chose what he saw inside of David. The same is true about you and me. Now I'm going to give you some foundational statements about character, about our character, who we are 
on the inside. Statement number one is this. Character is more than talk. Anyone can talk a good game. Anyone can say the right thing. Talk comes very easily. But it's how you walk your life out. It's how you live when you're facing a struggle. It's how you live when temptation comes your way and tries to draw you aside from being a man or a woman of character. Statement number two. Character is not what a person will ideally be one day in the future. You see, we have a word for that. We call it potential. And all of us have potential. I'm kind of at a place in my life, at a stage of my life, where I'm old enough that if I haven't reached my potential by now, I don't know that I'm going to. Potential is what we talk about being one day in the future. That's not character. Character, statement number three, character is right now. It's who you are right now. It is a daily choice that you make. In fact, I always put it this way. Character is revealed by the last decision that you made in life. Your character is who you are right now. Now, what happened in the past? I have a past. You have a past. My past in Lubbock, Texas. That's where I was born. That's where I was raised. That's where I've been in ministry for over 46 years. A church that I planted and started from scratch th over 35 years ago. I've got a past. That's called my reputation. And I have a good reputation in my city. But I, I want you to understand, reputation is not character. Reputation may help you get a loan at the bank, but it's your character that makes the monthly payment. Did you get that? Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, who I was in the past, I can lose that in one wrong decision if my character does not stand up to what God has called it to be. So character is who we are right now. It's, it's how we're living life. We live life by our character. Our character is revealed by the way we live. Now, here's part of this teaching I want you to understand. And here's where the church makes a lot of mistakes. How many of you have ever been disappointed because you see a leader in the church who makes a horrible mistake or, or they fall? They have a moral failure. They, they, they choose the wrong thing. We've all gone through those periods of disappointment. We all make wrong choices. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those disastrous choices that cause someone to, to, to fail and churches to literally crumble because of it. Now, here's the reason for that. Because sometimes what happens is we focus on the gifts that a person may possess and we fail to look for the character. That's what God was saying to Samuel. Samuel had seen Saul and had anointed Saul as the first king of Israel. And if you read back to that episode in, in, in the book of 1 Samuel, it says that Saul looked good. He looked like a king. In fact, it said he was head and shoulders above everyone else. His appearance was great. He was a very gifted man. Based on his gifts and his appearances, he was a king. But the character was not there. 
And in the church, sometimes we make the mistake of promoting gifts and failing to recognize the lack of a character. You see, I'm standing on this platform. This platform was erected today. They set this up and tear it down every single week. I say congratulations and thank you to that team that does that. They did a great job. This is a solid platform, a solid foundation. This represents character. Character is what you stand upon. Character is what you build upon. Now, your gifts may be tools that you use to build your life, but your gifts will not sustain you if your character is not in place. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so let me just say this about gifts and character so you understand. Number one, I want, I want to make three statements about gifts as well. We are given our gifts, but we must develop our character. Gifts, it's like your birthday party, and we all show up and we all put gifts around. You, we're given gifts. Some people in this room have been given a multitude of gifts. Man, Ethan, what a gifted guy playing the drums. Man, he, he's really good. He's a gift, but he has other gifts besides that. That's what Crystal told me. I guess that's true. I don't know. <laughs> gifts. We're given gifts, but our character must be developed. We're not born with character. We develop character. The second statement about gifts and character, number two, is this. Our gifts may attract people. People may be attracted to you because of your gifts, but our character is what will earn their trust. Over the many years that I've been a pastor, I've had people come to me and they're attracted because of a sermon they hear me preach, or they're attracted because of a gift that I may demonstrate in, in, in a public meeting. But those people who've been with me for many, many years, the reason they're with me is not because of the gifts, but because they've learned that they can trust my character. We have a, I, I started in 1975, that was a long time ago. I started as a youth pastor at 22 years of age. And we were just with a, a couple of, who've become our dear, dear friends. In fact, he's one of our executive elders at our church. And he and his wife were both in our youth group uh, back in the 70s. And we were with them the other day, and I, I, I just thought, man, you've been with me for a long time. And I, I just told him how much I appreciated the fact that he had stuck with me all of these years. And that doesn't just happen. You don't have friends that stay with you and, and, and people that follow your leadership for over 45 years. It happens because there's a trust that's developed. There's a relationship that's developed. And it's not based on gifts. Gifts may be a part of it, but that trust comes because they know they can trust the character that is inside of a person. The third statement I make about gifts is this. Our gifts may get us to the top, but it's our character that will keep us there. You see, you may be gifted, you may be climbing the ladder of success in your career, and you may be reaching the top. Let me tell you, that's a good thing. You want to get to the top, but it's your character that will keep you there. Because it's when you get to the top, 
when you get to that place where you're not always accountable to someone else, but you're the boss, where you make the decisions, you make the choices, you don't have to answer to anyone else, character says, if I'm going to stay here, I must always be accountable to God and to His Word. Well, I just really sense that that's, that's something the Holy Spirit is speaking to someone. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you don't have to give an answer to anyone else, but never lose sight of the fact that you are accountable to Him, and you must give an answer to Him. And character is what puts you in the place to give an acceptable answer to the Lord. So, gifts and character. Do you understand? Do you get that? Now, let me talk about it for just a minute because there's a couple of other things I want to say about this and then we're going to move on. Um, if you're ever questioning whether or not you're a man, a woman of godly character, probably the quickest evaluation is this. Is your public life the same as your private life? Are you trying to put forth an appearance that's not real when you're by yourself? What are the choices you're making when people are watching you? Do they line up with the choices you make when you're in private? You see, you can come to church on Sunday and you treat everybody really nice. But if you're mean to your children on Monday, something's not right. Something's not lining up there. You can be one way at church, but another way at work. Character, godly character is the same in public as it is in private. Hmm. Now, I used to think that a crisis is what would help us develop our character, but that's not always true. Sometimes all that a crisis does it doesn't develop your character, but it will reveal your character. Are with me? Are y'all getting this? Y'all are really quiet. I don't know if I'm doing any good or not. Y'all are all just sitting there like, looking at me like, why is he talking to me like this? Because I want you to be men and women of character. Amen? Now, um, crisis doesn't build your character, but... It doesn't always build your character, but it will reveal your character. But let me say this. Many times it's adversity that God uses to help develop the character he's wanting to put inside of us. The last year and a half to two years, it's been unprecedented. We've never gone through a season like we're going through right now. I, I, I used to say the season we've just come through. We haven't come through it yet. We're still going through it, amen? But how many of you know that it's not been easy, it's been an adverse time, but people of character, people who have, have developed a trust in the Lord, people who are, are mature in, in spiritual things, they're coming through it at a higher level than others are coming through it. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not you're sick. I'm talking about what's going on inside. I'm talking about those who fall into a, a deep depression or those who are, are, are in despair about what's going on. No, there's a level of trust and a level of character that God is wanting to develop inside of us. And adversity, even though God isn't the one who 
puts the adversity on you, God will use everything for our good and for our advantage. Now, in the book of Genesis, there's the story of Joseph. You remember Joseph? He was the youngest son of, uh, of many brothers. And his father loved him more than the other sons and gave him a coat of many colors. You remember that story? And wearing that coat of many colors, uh, Joseph goes to his brothers and begins to share with them, I've had a dream that one day God's going to promote me and I'm going to be a great leader. And his brothers hated him. They hated him because they were jealous of his coat. They were jealous of his dream. They hated him and they literally sold him into slavery. And being sold as a slave, taken to Egypt, serving in Potiphar's house, Joseph was facing adversity. But the way he faced that adversity of slavery is he rose to the top. Character got him to the top. He kept his heart right. He kept trusting God. He kept believing that there was a better day ahead. And he rose to the top. Then he was lied about and betrayed and thrown into prison. Falsely accused, finding himself in prison, adversity struck again, but Joseph said, I'm going to deal with my adversity and let adversity deal with me and develop my character. And again, he rose to the top until one day he goes from the prison to becoming the prime minister of Egypt. God was using him. God was fulfilling that dream. The promise of the dream was fulfilled when Joseph finds himself promoted as prime minister of Egypt with a plan, a strategy to save the world during a time of severe famine. Now, here's what's interesting. It's during this time of famine, during this time when Joseph has put together a strategic plan and provided food for people who are starving, that his brothers... The very ones who had hated him, the very ones who had sold him into slavery, they show up, not knowing it's Joseph, they show up seeking refuge, seeking food, looking for salvation. And Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. And I love the way he responds to them. Because you see, they're, first they're very fearful. And why wouldn't they be fearful? I mean, they, they had just sold their own brother as a slave. That happened years before, but they must be thinking, he will never forgive us. He, he has to have animosity towards us. He must be unforgiving towards us. He's going to make us pay for what we did. But Joseph responds to them, and he says, don't you guys be afraid. He said, what you intended for evil, God used it for good. You know what that statement says to me about Joseph, it's a statement of character. It's a statement that says, here's a man who's faced adversity and he's grown through it. Here's a man who has matured. His character is so mature that he's choosing not to have bitterness. He's choosing not to be unforgiving. He's choosing not to seek revenge, but he's choosing the better, the better thing. He's choosing to trust God that through all the adversity, God knew what he was doing. See, some of you have been going through some adverse times. Maybe you've lost employment. Maybe you've faced some financial stress. 
Maybe you've faced problems in relationships. And all of that adversity, if the devil has his way, he will crush you under those hard times and destroy you, destroy your faith, destroy your hope, and wreck your character. But if you realize that even in the middle of adversity, you can trust God, your character develops, becomes everything that God wants it to be. Now, there's three things I want to give to you, three, three last things that I give to you. Number one is this. There's three things that will help us to develop our character, three things we can do to assist God as he's building character in us. The first thing is what I call Holy Spirit communication. For everyone who's a believer, for every person who has opened their heart and said, I trust in Jesus Christ. I want him to live inside of my life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you right now. And the Holy Spirit is like this inner compass, an inner GPS system that leads your your pathway, that establishes a pathway for you and leads you step by step through life. And the Holy Spirit longs to communicate with children of God. He longs to speak to us, maybe not with an audible voice, but speak to us through promptings, through thoughts, through stirrings on the inside. And as we are living life, as we're facing choices, as we're making decisions, the Holy Spirit wants to communicate to us and tell us this is the way to go. This is the decision to make. We must be in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. Number two, the second thing that will help us in developing character. Number two is that there is a spiritual strength to make the right choices. Inside of every one of you, remember we said the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? He not only gives you guidance, He gives you strength. Everybody turn to your neighbor and just reach over and touch them on the shoulder and say this to them. Tell them, you're stronger than you think you are. Tell them that right now. You're stronger than you think you are. You have a strength. Jasmine, there's a strength inside of you. It's the strength of the Spirit of God. The strength of the Spirit of God inside of you will help you make right decisions. Sometimes choices are not easy. Sometimes making the right decision, it doesn't come easy. Sometimes there's great advantage if we'll just choose to do something a little unethical. Sometimes we're under the pressure of, 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 of other people and other situations trying to push us in a wrong direction. But you have that spiritual strength inside of you. Lean on that strength. Trust in the Lord. He will direct your paths. Don't lean into your own understanding. That's what it says in Proverbs. Don't trust your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Trust in that spiritual strength that resides inside of you. So communicate with the Holy Spirit. Trust that spiritual strength on the inside. And the last thing, the third thing is this. You've got to run with the right people. 
You've got to begin to associate with people of godly character. If you want to develop your character, you need to run with people who have the right character. Now, I don't have to explain what that's all about. You know when you're not in the right group. You know when you're not listening to the right voices. You know when there's wrong influences in your life. And you say, well, I, I, I just want to love everybody. I don't want to cut those people. I'm not telling you to, you have to cut everybody off. But what I am saying, if you want to develop your, your character to become a godly character, you need to begin to run with some godly people. You say, well, nobody's godly where I work. Well, okay. But you're surrounded by godly men and women in this room right now. You need to run with these people. Choose your mentors wisely. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Strong people running together, godly people with godly character running together, you will sharpen one another. You will encourage one another. You will strengthen one another. You'll help one another develop into the people God has called us to be. I pray that God help us all in developing the character that he chooses to develop inside of us. Amen? Now, close your Bibles. Put your notes away. I've got, how many minutes have I got? I've got nine minutes. I had eight minutes of first service. I'm doing better. I cut off one minute. I've got some things that I want to share with you. Three, three words that the Lord put in my heart as I was praying this morning about our time together. These go along a little bit with the, 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 the word about character, the teaching about character, but they may have nothing to do with it. This is just what the Holy Spirit gave me as I was praying over you this morning. I got up at 5.36 this morning. That's pretty early for me. But I got up early and got ready and started praying. And the reason I got up that early is because uh, I was with some of the leadership team last night, and uh, Jesse told me, that he was leading the team to set everything up. And I said, what time will you start in the morning? He said, I will get the trailers at 5.15. And so I thought, if he can get up at 5.15, I can get up at 5.36. So anyway, <laughs> the first word is this. It was an, it's an interesting word. God gave me this word. The first time I really heard this word was last Wednesday night. Uh, I was at a service at our church in Lubbock. We have a, a worship night the first Wednesday of every month. And usually I just go, and, and my wife and I just sit in the congregation. I, I have no part to play on that night. But as we were worshiping, this, is, this word came real strong to me. And I want to share it with you, but it came to me again this morning. It's the word friendly fire. Friendly fire. Now, let me explain what that word means for this context right here. Some of you are wounded. You've been hurt. But you are not hurt by somebody out there, somebody outside of your circle of friends, your circle of family, your church circle. I, I don't know. But someone that you would consider friendly, someone who's on your side, maybe they did it intentionally, maybe it was totally non-intentional. But they said something, they did something that wounded you very deeply. And you haven't gotten over it. 
You've been wounded by friendly fire. And it makes it hard for you to deal with. Man, if it came straight from the devil, you could handle it better than you're handling friendly fire. Because it was like, did they mean to hurt me that bad? Did they mean to wound me that deeply? But you realize you, you're wounded today. And it's because of friendly fire. And you don't want to hold bitterness or unforgiveness. You want to get healed from that wound. And so look right here because I'm, I'm going to pray for you. How many of you would say, you know what, that word relates to me. I feel like I've been wounded. I feel like I've been hurt by friendly fire. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah. There's se- Boy, there's several. Y'all all stand up. Everybody that raised your hand, stand up. Not, I don't do this to embarrass you, but we're just family here, and I, I just want to see who I'm praying for. This is, there's a lot of us. It's, it's one of those seasons. Remember I talked about the breach? This is one way that Satan creates breaches is through the wounds of friendly fire. All of you that are saying, hold your hands out just like this. I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing to flow in this room. I pray for forgiveness to be exercised in every individual's heart. And I pray that you would begin to mend the wound that was caused by friendly fire. Heal the hurt in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can sit back down. The second word that I have for you this, this morning is a little bit different. It wasn't really a word. I, I, well, at first I got uh, the word crockpot, but that, that, that's not the word. I, I saw a picture. And how many of you have been to a gas station, a convenience store? where you buy your gas, but it also has all kinds of stuff, and you go inside of it there, and they have one of those racks where they cook hot dogs, and the weenies are on that rack, and it's rolling back and forth kind of slowly. Y'all seen those things? And those weenies have been on there about six weeks, and they're, man, they're just rolling back and forth. And the Lord said to come pray for somebody that you're, it's like you're on the rack. And God's doing a slow work inside of you. And, and, and you're not real patient. In fact, God said, pray for them, pray for them to have patience because it's like, God, I want a microwave work. I want you to do it, in, and I want you to do it right now. But the Lord said, no, this isn't microwave work. This is crockpot work. This is slow roasting. You feel like, man, God's roasting me. And you've been on this rack for a, for a while. And you're saying, how long is this going to go? You're going to have to trust the Lord. You're wondering, how long is this going to happen? You've been praying for something, and you haven't seen it yet. And you're wanting to give up. Don't give up. Just keep rolling with God rolling with God. So if that word is for you, you say, hey, that's a word for me, you stand up. I'm, I'm going to pray for you guys. Anybody here say, that's a word for me? I'm, I'm, I'm a weenie on the rack. I mean, I just feel it. I, I just, man. Boy, there's a lot of you guys too. It's a slow work. Sometimes God does a slow work. We go, man, I just want it now. No, no, no. God's doing a slow work. A slow work. Wow. Hold your hands out. Let me pray for you. Father, 
You, you know what's best. Listen to this statement. I'm going to make this statement. You receive it right now. The Lord's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always right. Everybody that's standing, you don't have to raise your head, you don't have to open your eyes, but I want you to, out, out loud, I want you to speak this and just say, Lord, you're in control. I'm not. I will wait on you. Now, Father, that's what I pray. I pray for patience. I pray for faith. I pray for Pray for character. You do your work in your timing and in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. The last word I have is something that the Lord told me to pray for this whole congregation, this whole church. I did it in the first service. I'm going to do it in this service. The Lord said, release an impartation of faith. Now, the word impartation, that's a fancy, big, spiritual-sounding word to simply, it simply means God's going to give you faith. You're going to receive faith, the spirit of faith, a new level of faith. It's going to be released to you. It's going to come like a blessing. Now, let me read this scripture, and then let me, I'm going to say something. But in Mark chapter 11, Jesus himself is speaking. He says this, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. An impartation of faith. The blessing of faith. Okay? Everyone stand up. Hold your hands out like you're going to catch this blessing. Now, with every blessing, with every impartation, there's three parts. Part number one is my part. I speak it. Part number two is God's part. He gives it. But part number three is your part. You see, you can bless people all day long. I can speak blessings all day long. But just because God's giving it and I'm speaking it doesn't mean it's being received. You're, you play part number three. You have to receive it. And I want you to receive this impartation, this blessing of faith, okay? So, as I speak it, you receive it, right? In fact, you may just want to do your hands like this. You're receiving it right now. You're receiving it right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release and speak the blessing and the impartation of faith over this house. Every member of this church, move them to a new level of faith. Move them into a new level of authority a new level of speaking and believing with a faith that we've never known before, a depth of faith we've never had before. Impart faith to this house in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
and amen. Let's thank the Lord. Come on. Richard, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church podcast. If God uses this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.